Welcome to episode four of the Merit Mindset Podcast. I'm Devin Merritt, your host, and I am thrilled that you've tuned in with us today. So before we jump into today's content, I feel like there's just a couple things that I need to address and clarify real quick. Um, first and foremost, I just hope that those who listen know how much I appreciate um, when people reach out and comment and tell me their thoughts and feelings about the episodes that they're listening to. A friend of mine actually reached out to me, uh, letting me know that he actually disagreed uh, with some of the stuff that I was saying, but that he was grateful for being able to listen to it because at the very least, it was making him think about stuff completely differently than he had before. And <clears throat> I guess my um, my thoughts and my motivation for doing this podcast is I do hope that people who listen to it feel that they are benefiting from it in the sense that it's making him think about things that they hadn't thought about before. But in my view, even if you're spending enough time to disagree with some of the stuff that I'm saying, uh, that, in my opinion, is a victory as well, because at the very least, it's it's making you think about stuff. And so please continue uh, for those of you who are listening and and reaching out when you have thoughts or opinions on the podcast please keep reaching out to me. Uh, let me know what you agree with. Let me know what you disagree with. Um, there's a little uh, questionnaire that you can answer at the end of each episode, I believe, where you can share your thoughts and opinions on the episode. Um, but if you don't want to make comments directly on the podcast itself, uh, the email for this podcast is the is Merit Mindset Podcast. And again, that's M-A-R-R-O-T-T. That's the Merit Mindset Podcast at gmail.com. So I'll just say that one more time. Merit Mindset Podcast at gmail.com. Please continue sharing your thoughts, your opinions, uh, your perspective on what I'm saying. It's really uh, fun for me. It's very rewarding for me. Um, The other thing that I need to clarify from my last episode, which was published a couple weeks ago, it was brought to my attention that I actually never clarified the outcome of what happened with my father, uh, because the rumors were that he had prostate cancer, and that was one of the things that I was very concerned about. It was one of the things that had me down in the dumps, and we found out actually several weeks after those rumors were circulating um, that his tests came back negative and he did not have prostate cancer. So thank you again to those who, uh, reached out, um, asking for clarification, uh, on things that they feel they may have missed. Uh, it's super fun. I respond to emails when I receive them. And if you are watching this, excuse me, watching it, you're obviously not watching it. If you're listening to it, Um, and you find the episodes to be particularly insightful or beneficial, I hope that you would take the time to 
share it uh, with people that you think might be able to benefit from some of the stuff that uh, we're talking about on this show. So anyway, without further ado or further delay, let's uh, get started with the next episode's content. And that music you just listened to was a different rendition of the Merit Mindset introduction song. I've been kind of screwing around with some different tunes. And again, if you can give me your preference, do you like the original one better? Or do you like that version of the Merit Mindset theme song better? Anyway, just let me know your thoughts. So as the uh, title of this podcast, this particular episode suggests, uh, we're going to be talking about the question of should I be happy? And this particular conversation is going to be broken into two different episodes. Uh, One where I'm this first one where I'm just going to be talking about the psychology of expectation. um, And what expectations, the expectations that we have for life, what they can do to us. And once that has all been laid out, then I'm going to uh, kind of tie that into uh, what is the expectation that we have for happiness. And I'll kind of end on that note with this episode. And then I'm going to talk about happiness as a philosophy uh, in part two of this conversation of should I be happy? So it's going to be interesting to hear people's reactions to this because... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be going against some uh, pretty hardcore uh, Western cultural ideas that may or may not make people very mad at me. And you know what? I hope it doesn't come to that, but you just never know. So I actually can't even remember where I read this, but it was from a blog. And I know that blogs are uh, entertaining and they're insightful, but a lot of times blogs are just anecdotes and anecdotes are, you know, personal stories and you can find a personal story for absolutely everything. It, it really doesn't matter. Like take a serious political issue or a sensitive social topic or standing or COVID or whatever. You can find an anecdote for like all sides of every story. Um, And so I read this article, this blog, that was just some random writer. Again, I can't even remember who said it or where I read it. But when I read this blog, it slapped me in the face. And it was just an anecdote. It was just a personal story. It wasn't an academic research paper or anything like that. It was just one person's opinion. But it totally, metaphorically, slapped me in the face when I read it. And the reason why it slapped me so hard in the face is because I'd never thought about looking at life like this before. Um, And long story short, it ended up having a huge impact on how I think about a lot of things. Um, So the argument, the fundamental argument of this blog that this uh, author published was that the key to a happy life is to have no expectations. Do you agree or disagree with that claim? 
The key to a happy life is to have no expectations. Do you agree or disagree? Why or why not? It'd be interesting to have that be a poll uh, in and of itself. In fact, I'm going to add that as a poll uh, in this podcast and see if I can get some people to generate some responses on it. Um, I honestly don't know at the end of the day if I fully agree or disagree with it myself. Uh, sometimes I get thinking about things and I find myself absolutely agreeing with it. But then I also realize too that I don't always agree with it. And this is absolutely one of those like inflammatory claims. Someone makes an outrageous comment or claim on something like that. And it's like, what? But I have to admit, I, I kind of find myself thinking about a lot of the biggest frustrations in my life, uh, a lot of the dissatisfaction in my life. And more often than not, those negative experiences and negative outcomes are centered on unmet expectations. Um, so anyway, this is a, just a different way of looking at things. So I kind of want to tease this psychology of expectation apart, dive in a little deeper to what it means and what some of the implications are of the expectations that we have with our lives. So again, the thing when I first initially came across this blog that wasn't particularly persuading for me was that it came from a blog. And like I said, it's just a personal opinion. It's just a one person's story. So I read this blog in spite of it being from a blog, I was actually really interested in it. So then I did what my nerdy self does. I turned to the psychological literature, the research publications to see what, uh, the field of psychology has had to say, um, about expectations. Um, again, you don't hear bombastic claims like this and not turn to the psychological literature in my field. If people are going to make claims like this, they need to have evidence for it. And there's that, I can't even remember who said this now, and I should probably remember who said it, but is this very big philosophical quote that says extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And so if you're going to say the key to a happy life is to have no expectations, there needs to be some evidence out there. So uh, surprisingly enough, there's actually a lot of literature about the psychology of expectations. And a lot of the research uh, was actually supporting what this author was claiming. And if you're interested in exploring some of these topics yourself, some of the more popular theories about psychological the psychology of expectation include theories like self-discrepancy theory, uh, the expectancy disconfirmation theory, expectancy reality gap theory, and one of my personal favorites, realistic job previews. And I'm going to tease apart that last one in just a minute. But if you look at all of these theories, and you don't have to be in the, uh, the psychological discipline to see this. A lot of times researchers have like different names for the same thing, which gets really annoying because it's like, why don't you guys just call it the same thing? Anyway, I digress. Um, all of these theories though, there, there's a lot of differences between what they're specifically trying to say. Uh, but the one thing that they all kind of have this overarching consensus on is that, um, there's going to be a gap and that gap is going to be centered on 
there's something that you've expected, uh, whether it was something you expected for yourself, a product, a career, that's your expectation. You had these hopes for uh, something really good. Usually people are expecting goodness to come their way. Um, and then there's reality. You know, what? what's really happening with uh, yourself or a product that you purchased or your career. And the thing that is undeniable from all of these different theories that I've just mentioned is that when there is a gap between your expectations and your reality, you tend to experience negative emotions. And the bigger that gap between your expectations and your reality, the more miserable you're going to be. Um, so I have just like a couple trivial examples. Some of these are a little trivial. Some of them are uh, probably a little bit more relevant, uh, personable, realistic. But uh, one of the things you have to understand about me, I love movies. I love movies. I love TV shows. Um, I just love stories. And I definitely consider myself a movie buff. And it's kind of funny because I see this all the time where this new movie is coming out and you have all of these expectations for it. And then you go and see it and it's complete and absolute garbage. But because you had all of these expectations for how great the movie was going to be, you walk out of the movie and you're like, that was horrible. That was like one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. I'm going to say something controversial here. Maybe it's not controversial because people who are listening to this actually have good taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I should edit that out. I'm not going to. I laughed at my own joke. Bless my heart. Uh, I was so excited for the new Star Wars movies. Uh, Force Awakens especially was like, oh man, this is going to be so good. And oh my word. Okay. Actually, Force Awakens was okay. I actually did like Force Awakens. Um, spoiler alert. So skip the next like 10 to 15 seconds. If you haven't seen these movies and you want to, and if you haven't seen them yet, what the heck, but, uh, I was really upset with how they killed off Han Solo. That's just my, my, uh, personal opinion there that really ticked me off. Um, but other than that, I actually did like the force awakens. I was really excited with some of the new characters they had and where they were going to take these new characters. And then I can't even remember what it's called. I've purged it from my memory. It was such garbage. Uh, the Last Jedi? Yeah, that was the second one. So I had all these expectations for The Last Jedi to see what they were going to do with all of these characters. And uh, that movie is a cesspool. That was like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I walked out of that so disappointed because I had such high expectations. And then I actually went and saw, again, I've forgotten what it's called now, Rise of the Skywalker, but I had literally no expectations. And that last one didn't bother me as much as number two did for the last trilogy. Again, I know that there are some of my dull-minded friends who are going to disagree uh, with the claims that I'm making about this movie. Um, and they can disagree. That's fine. They can just settle for mediocrity. Um but that's just one example. And I could go off like I recently just saw um, the Meg 2 in theaters. And 
I knew that movie was going to be lame. I knew it was going to be absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think I underestimated how ridiculous the Meg two was going to be. Cause I actually really liked the Meg. I thought the first one was a very entertaining show, but again, you go into a movie with no expectations. And then if it sucks, you walk out of the movie and it wasn't that bad because you had no expectations for it. So you actually enjoy you and you actually ended up enjoying it more than you would have if you went in with all these expectations, right? Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's one example, trivial example of just like movies, you know, you know, a movie's going to be bad. No expectations means a better experience with cinema. And then you avoid the risk of running into that scenario where you were so excited for a movie and then you see it and your reaction is, I was so excited for that movie and it absolutely sucked. So that's movies. Uh, other thing too, maybe you have like super high expectations for the newest product or features that are coming out. I went down memory lane as I was thinking about this, and I actually do remember a specific product that I was so excited about. I saw it on commercials all the time, and I know that that's what marketers and advertisers count on a lot with commercials, except I actually don't know how much people watch TV nowadays. Most people just watch stuff on streaming services, but I used to grow up loving watching like SpongeBob SquarePants. I know I'm probably going to lose some viewers for or listeners for admitting that. Uh, uh, hey Arnold, Rugrats, um, Cartoon Network. What did I watch on Cartoon Network? Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Johnny Bravo. What else was on Nickelodeon that I used to watch? Anyway, I used to watch TV, and I remember years ago. Uh, there was this product that was called the safety can opener and they show this product on the television and this can opener cuts the can lids open and it doesn't leave any sharp jagged edges. Now I do recall a couple times, whether it was myself or my mom or one of my siblings, they would cut themselves on the lids of cans after they had opened them with a can opener. And sometimes those cuts were a little more bloody than others, but I remember seeing this commercial for the safety can opener and part of the commercial is they take this lid that just got cut off by the safety can opener and they actually start pushing the lid against their arm and it doesn't leave a scratch. And so I remember talking to my mom being like, you got to check this product out. You got to look at this thing. It's like the coolest thing ever. So they ended up buying it and we used it for a while, but then it kind of turned out to suck. It wasn't that good. It, we, it ended up breaking like a couple months maybe after we bought it. And then we never got it replaced because we had all these high expectations for how, how awesome this safety can opener was going to be. And then when we actually got it, it, uh, it kind of sucked. Um, another thing I remember uh, getting again, I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as a gamer, but I definitely like to play when I can. And my wife for a, it was either a birthday or a Christmas present, but she bought me these batteries that you plugged into your controller. And then the controller uh, was set up in such a way that you just had to put your controller on top of this platform and then it would charge your battery. And for a while, those things worked like a beaut. They were perfect. I loved them. But then they stopped working as well as they did shortly after we got them. 
And we've thought about getting them replaced again, but again, we have these high expectations for products and services that we're going to buy. We end up getting it because of the expectations being so high. It doesn't match reality. We become dissatisfied. We don't get the product uh, replaced. Um, same kind of thing with other products. I mean, I'm sure you can apply this to your phones or tablets or iPads or whatever it is you get, but you get super excited for this new updated product on the market. You spend a chunk of change on it and it turns out not to be that great or upgraded or updated as you thought it would be. So you don't enjoy the product that much and then it doesn't live up to your expectations. So then you reap unhappiness. And this next example is kind of more of a serious one, but I have kind of a funny story to introduce it and talk about it. But you think about relationships and you think about um, marriage or dating or whatever, and people have expectations for like a, a psychology professor that is one of my personal heroes. I remember him referring to it as the Cinderella syndrome, where people think they're going to live happily ever after once they get married. And, uh, or they think, you know, it's always happily ever after. It's, it's the grass is always greener. You know, I'm an undergraduate student. Once I finish my bachelor's degree, then I'll be happy. Or once I get into graduate school, then I'll be happy. And then you finish graduate school. And once I finish graduate school, get my, my career, then I'll be happy. And, or once I'm in a relationship, then I'll be happy. And then you get into a relationship and it's once we are married, then I'll be happy. Or once we have kids, then I'll be happy. And it's just this really vicious cycle. That's the, that's what, uh, my friend and colleague called the Cinderella syndrome. Um, but sometimes people think that that's what's going to happen with their inter, uh, interpersonal and or romantic relationships. I still remember one day I used to work at a customer service desk for a local grocery store and a really close friend of mine, and I was really close with his wife too. They both got married and I'm working at the service desk. And if you know this person, this story is even funnier. It was even funnier because she came up to the service desk and she asked me this question in front of her husband and she just comes up to me and she says, Devin, is married life this boring? We don't do anything. And we've been going to bed at like nine o'clock. And I laughed about this because when we were all single, we would stay together until like 11, 1130, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm not sure what she was expecting, but you're not always hanging out with all your friends when you're married. And sometimes you're sitting at home and it's like, well, there's not a whole lot to do. So maybe I'm going to go to bed now again, of course, not every couple in the world is like this. Um, but again, she had these expectations that, you know, we're going to be going out and traveling and we're going to be going out and partying and we're going to be going to all these events and we're going to be having fun with each other all the time. And reality kicks in and then your expectations were happily ever after. And it's like boring. And it's kind of a shock for a lot of people because you do reach a point like, oh, I'm we're always going to be passionately in love with each other. We're always going to just want to be with each other all the time. And it's like, well, no, you won't. Like, believe it or not, there's going to come a time when your spouse is going to text you and it's not going to make you excited. Like, 
That's just not what happens. But again, people just have these Cinderella type expectations for their relationships where they think they're always going to be in love or they're always going to be happy with each other. They're not going to get mad at each other. They're always going to be on the same page. And then that expectation doesn't come to fruition. And then you have people that are like super discouraged about their reality. And uh, I still remember uh, some of the best marital advice I ever received was from my father-in-law right after I asked him um, if I could marry his daughter. Uh, And this is truly the best marital advice I've ever received because it just managed my expectations. But he, he, he says, you know, this is right after he's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, welcome to the family. He gave me a fist bump and he said, welcome to the family. And, um, he says, you know, there's going to be days where you're going to wake up and you're going to look at your spouse and you're going to be like, man, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I just, I hit the jackpot. How did I get so lucky? And that is absolutely true. Um, but then he said, and then there's going to be other days where you're going to look at your spouse and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I laugh at that because it's kind of, it's messed up to say. Uh, But he closed that expression by saying, there's nobody that you're going to love more than your spouse. And there's nobody that you're going to hate more than your spouse. And when he told me that it was really like this big, like, wow, I need to be mindful of this. And my wife and I, Kelsey and I, we have an amazing marriage. But if I was to sit here and tell you that we never fight, we never disagree, we never bicker or argue. I would be lying to you and I'm not going to do that. So, but again, it managed my expectation. And so when we have those moments where we're, we're, we're fighting or arguing or whatever, it's not like a, Oh my gosh, this is not what a marriage is supposed to be. A marriage is supposed to be something where we're always on the same page and we love each other all the time, nonstop. That just doesn't happen that way. So sometimes people have these unmet expectations for what they're, uh, relationship should look like. Um, another area to uh, look at too is careers. Um, people have expectations for their careers. They have expectations for promotions. They have expectations for big bonuses or extra perks for these jobs that they're going to be working. And, you know, even like from a student perspective, a lot of people think that once I get my degree, uh, people are going to be throwing themselves at me left and right. And then reality kicks in and it's like, wait a minute, I'm not qualified to fulfill this role because I have this amazing education. Um, Their ambition and their expectation is for employers to seek them out and do everything they can to offer them the best jobs that are available. Uh, Or they think that the employer they're going to work for is just going to offer them a huge paycheck right out the gate. Uh, Exceptional benefits, amazing paid time off perks, quick promotion, the whole nine yards. But then they realize that the reality of the situation is, no, you have to come in here. (coughs) Excuse me. You have to come in here and you have to start from the bottom. You have to make beginner's wages. Uh, You don't get the paid time off that you were hoping for and so on and so forth. And so then people end up being extremely frustrated uh, with their career outlook, their career trajectory. Whereas if they had no expectations and they just rolled with the flow, they entered the workforce, not expecting this bombastic salary or whatever, they would be very happy uh, with what they have um, instead. 
And then this is one, this is going to be a hard one for me to talk about, especially if some of my students are listening to me. Uh, cause as a professor, um, I don't ever, and I, I'm not being sarcastic at all with what I'm about to say. I never want to, uh, crush a student's ambitions. Um, but sometimes students anticipate that they're going to be a 4.0 student come hell or high water. Like I've always been a 4.0 student. I'm always going to be a 4.0 student. And unfortunately, Sometimes they enter my class and I am the hell and the high water and they don't get the 4.0 that they were anticipating or expecting. Their expectations of a 4.0 causes them levels of extreme dissatisfaction, even when they have like a 3.8 or a 3.9. And their mentality is like, it's 4.0 or bust. If I don't have a 4.0, I am a failure. I am not cut out for the academic world or whatever. And it's interesting for me, this dynamic too, as a professor, like, and I don't know where to draw the line here. I certainly don't endorse the attitude that's like, well, C's get degrees. I I think that's a really uh, bad attitude to pursue for your education. But it is interesting for me because the students that have the unrealistic expectations of always being a 4.0, those are the students that I hear from the most. Um the C or B students are usually satisfied with their grades, but the students who are uh, breaking down in tears, the ones who are the most unhappy, uh, strung out, anxious, and dissatisfied, and who express these emotions in extreme ways, they're the ones that have the exceedingly high expectations for their academic performance. Now, and I I get transparent because like this is something that hits home for me and anybody who my graduate cohort listens to this podcast, they're probably laughing right now because I was one of those students that was like 4.0 or bust. And it was horrible for me because it overwhelmed me and it burnt me out. And I felt like I was stupid because I couldn't get a 4.0 and I didn't graduate with a 4.0. I didn't do that in my undergraduate or my graduate. Um, I'm not going to say what I did because I don't want to sound pompous, but it wasn't a 4.0. And I kind of had to let go of some of that 4.0 buster mentality because that expectation was making me so miserable when I was in a spot where I'm developing and building myself professionally. I shouldn't be beating the tar out of myself because I was a successful student, but those unrealistic expectations was killing me uh, with stress and everything like that. So um, that's expectations and academic performance. And then my field, which is industrial organizational psychology, a lot of people hear that and they're like, so does that mean that you're like a therapist for organizations? Industrial organizational psychologists are not mental health professionals. We do study human behavior in the workplace. And sometimes our, our research topics might be like, what does stress and burnout do to employee engagement and morale? We study these things theoretically, but we're not mental health professionals. Um, one of my favorite, uh, theories that's been established by industrial organizational psychology is called the realistic job preview. And this is a a theory that is actually really important for anybody who is in a recruiting capacity to implement into their organizations. Um, how it, what it, what essentially the realistic job preview is telling you to do is to be transparent and, you have to, if you're, if you're trying to bring somebody into your organization, 
you have to be honest. If your company has a horrible culture or dysfunctional leadership, or it doesn't pay that well, or there's crappy benefits, um, you need to expose those issues to the applicants of your organization. Because again, what a lot of mistakes recruiters do, and not to slander or criticize anybody who does summer sales, but these recruiters could take a huge lesson in that because, and I've, I've known several people who've tried to recruit me into summer sales and I just wouldn't do it. Um, but they talk to you and it's like, you're, you're going to make, you know, like 60 to a hundred thousand dollars this summer. I mean, would you rather work 40 hours a week all year and make maybe 40,000? Or do you want to work for three months and make three times what you would make working 40 hours a week? And they, they frame it like that. So it's like, you're an idiot. If you say, well, actually, I think I would rather just work 40 hours a week for mediocre pay. Yeah. That sounds, it's like, it's a stupid question. Would you rather make a fortune or would you rather work for crappy wages? Um, but the problem is, is so many people end up going into summer sales with this expectation that it's fun and you're living in cool cities and you're going to make fat stacks and success is just going to be thrown your way. And then these people actually get out there and it's like, this sucks. I hate it here. I am getting rejected 90% of the time. I haven't made any sales. It's actually costing me to be out here. A good summer sales recruiter will be open to talking about how, you know, a lot of people, they don't make more than 30,000. A lot of people, uh, it's very rare when people make 100,000 in a summer. If they were more honest about that kind of stuff, people would get into summer sales and uh, be more inclined to say, because again, that gap between their expectations and reality would be smaller. And they'd be more happy and content with where they're at. But in realistic job previews, people tend to just want to paint the good things of their industry or organization. And that makes them uh, susceptible to people wanting to quit because there's a huge gap between their expectations and reality. So that that's just a series of different components regarding uh, expectations and how that gap between our expectations and reality can really cause us to reap um, some unhappiness, but maybe you can come up with your own. You know, I've kind of covered uh, careers, academics, relationships, uh, realistic job previews, products, and even movies. Uh, but maybe you can come up with some different types of expectations that are too high that ultimately leave you uh, dissatisfied um, with uh, uh, your experience. And so you can probably tell where I'm going with this now because, you know, I, I can't help but think about sometimes people have this expectation for their life that they're supposed to be happy. And before I wrap up this episode, um, I just think it's, it's kind of interesting to think about this, uh, this dynamic of expectations and how having expectations for things makes us unhappy. But then if we have an expectation to be happy, what happens to us when we're not happy? And that's actually going to be something that I'm going to cover in, in the next episode. Um, and so for now, um, I just kind of want to end on thinking about 
you know, expectations. I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of different components that we've discussed and explored where expectations actually has a tendency to make people more unhappy. Um, and the essence, the fundamental principle is that the greater the, excuse me, the greater the gap between your expectations and your reality, the more negative emotions that, that you are, that you're going to experience. And so maybe just maybe there's something to be said about reducing our expectations managing our expectations, or maybe even avoiding expectations in order to live a more fulfilling life. So uh, my MO for my podcast is to end every episode with a question. What do you think? Do you agree or disagree that the key to a happy life is to have no expectations? Thank you again for tuning in to episode four of the Merit Mindset Podcast. If I could just throw out a reminder there real quick, um, I do have a couple of different tunes for the Merit Mindset theme. Uh, The first one is the original one that you just heard at the conclusion of this episode. Um, And the second one is the one that I've just played intermediately. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the original one just one more time, and then I'm going to play the alternative one a second time. And if you could go to that poll and please leave me your opinion on which one you like better, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in.